Ladies and gentlemen, it is AJ Fenris, the rogue, at it again. Um, episode three of the new podcast. I know it's been a little while. I keep saying I want to do at least one a week. And unfortunately, with trying to settle everything and get back on my feet again and you know personal issues, um, it's just been difficult to do that. Um, you know, sometimes I, my last episode in particular, kind of went off on a little bit of a tirade there, rant, if you will, um, in the words of Dennis Miller, but <clears throat> I really wasn't trying to do the whole soapbox thing. It just kind of came out that way, and uh, so uh, this particular podcast, I'm going to do a lot less of the uh, the preachy, uh, soapboxy kind of thing, and uh, you know, uh, like like every river has ebbs and flows, and uh, last podcast was a little more intense because I had a lot on my mind and some things I wanted to just spout. Um, but here I am today. Um, it is January 25th, I think. Uh, yeah, Wednesday, January 25th. Um, and you know, 2023. Have you ever, so let me just jump right into this with the first, with, with this just little qualifying question. Um, I'm sure that I'm not the only person that's ever had issue with this. Um, You know, I remember, because I was born in 1982, uh, I remember the 90s. I remember the year 2000. Uh, The millennia, the millennium was a big deal. Um, People who were born after that don't remember things like the Y2K scare. And... uh, which, I mean, honestly, there was a, a huge panic about it. By the way, I apologize for the sniff, sniffles. Oh, good Lord. In the words of Uncle Milt, I've got enough gas. I should be followed by Arabs. <clears throat> Milton Burrow, by the way. Um, no. Um, but I find myself these days in a very odd position... Where I'll say, you know, it's 2023. And then realize, damn, I'm 40 years old. I remember, distinctly remember, I graduated year 2000. So, hearing myself say 2023, it's been 23 years past the millennium. I don't know why, but for some reason, there are just these inexplicable moments when the realization hits me and I'm shocked, like really completely just stunned by that. Like I I don't realize until I really stop and think, you know, I mean, I've been through a lot. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot as a human being. I'm in a much, much different place than I was when I was a kid, uh, when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult. But I don't realize the totality of how much time, how much distance my life has already spanned. 
And, you know, I, I, I hear these, some of these kids that I'm, I'm talking to them and they're in their twenties, you know, uh, obviously, you know, young twenties, 20, 21, 22. And they were born after the millennia millennium. They were born, uh, in, in a few cases, you know, I, I, I talked to a few teenagers on occasion and, you know, they're, they're <laughs> they don't remember because they weren't there. You know, for them, their life, for them, life began when their memory starts because they don't, they have no recollection. They don't remember 9-11. They don't remember the Y2K scare. They don't remember the fads of the 90s because they weren't alive. And in my head, I'm going, those were my teenage years. Those were my formative years. I, I remember when I first, uh, I first started dating a girl once. And she was 11 years younger than me. Uh, no, sorry, eight years younger than me. Eight years younger than me because she was 30 and I was 38. And I remember thinking to myself how kind of weird that felt for a while, you know, <clears throat> because here I am, 38 years old, thinking, well, I'm not quite over the hill yet, but damn it, I'm all, I'm almost to the top of it, and it's an easy fall down from there. So, but now it's like there's even more of a distinct difference. I was hit on by somebody just a few days ago, and I was just like, "How old are you?" And he was like, "Well, I'm like 20, 21," and I'm like, "Okay, is it like 20 or 21? Which is it? What is it?" What's your real exact age? I'm 20. Okay, you're 20. Gotcha. You realize you're 20. I'm 40. Which means take you, take your lifespan and double it. And that's how old I am. You understand that? I'm old enough to be two of you. And, I, and maybe, maybe I shouldn't have been weirded out by that. Maybe I should have been flattered. I don't know. But it was just weird to me. It was, it was a distinctly odd thing for me. Because I start listening to it and I'm just like, why does this conversation make me feel like a really old man? And if I'm feeling like this now at 40, how the hell am I going to feel when I'm like 60 or, you know, God help me if I make it to 80 and, you know, I'm looking back at it from 80 going, damn, I thought 40 was bad. <laughs> I thought 40 was bad. But good God, it's even worse. It doesn't get any better. Um, I remember I once met this woman. Her name was Miss Sarah Green. I will never forget Miss Sarah Green. I only met her a few times. I only had a few discussions with her. But in those discussions, the enlightenment that I gained, the, the knowledge that I, I, I gleaned from the few conversations that we had was so importantly valuable to me. And so, uh, it just really, it stuck with me. Miss Sarah Green, just for record, was at the time 107 years old. I was like 16. 
somewhere in my late teens. I don't remember exactly what the age was, but somewhere in my late teens. And uh, I, I just remember being fascinated by listening to some of the things that she had to say. Like, I remember, you know, I met her through my grandfather because, you know, apparently all old people know each other. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so he introduced me to her. And the very first thing she said to me was, I'm going to tell you something, young AJ. Something you need to remember. And something I, it's, it, that, that I'm just going to tell you. Cause, and you're not going to understand it right now. But, but one day you will. And when you do, you'll think of me. And sure enough, she was right. What she said was, getting old is not for the faint of heart. I'm 107 years old. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's pretty old. Like that's, 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 that's pretty fucking old. I'm not going to lie. That's like, uh, I'm, I was impressed. And this was not a woman that sat in a wheelchair or anything like that. I mean, she had a walker, but do you know why she had the walker? So she could carry her Bible and her phone because she wore day dresses and had an apron on that didn't have pockets. So when she puttered around the house, as long as she was basically in a room, she was on her own feet. But when she would go from room to room or leave the house, she would bring her walker with her. Not because she needed it to walk, but because it was an easy way for her to carry her extra things. And... She tells me that for her, for her 107th birthday, which was earlier that year, her son, no, grandson, pardon me, her grandson had taken her on a camping trip. Can you think about this for a second with me? Ponder with me a 107-year-old woman on her 107th birthday deciding that you know, when her grandson goes, Hey, I'm going on a camping trip and let's make it a really special occasion. Let's, let's go on a camping trip on your birthday. And she was all gung ho about it, all for it. And I'm just going, and you actually went camping? And she went, yeah, just cause I'm old doesn't mean I'm dead. (laughs) Just cause I'm old doesn't mean I'm dead. And I went, "Uh Oh, Okay, that's that's exceptionally fair. That's I you're right, you're absolutely correct. I, I I cannot argue that. There is no defense against that one. You're right. But damn. I'm forty and I hate getting up in the middle of the night to go take a piss. I couldn't imagine being hundred and seven years old and dealing with all of the uniquenesses of camping. You know, I mean, there's a reason why we don't live like that anymore. It's because it's not an easy life. It's fun on occasion, but it's not easy. And, you know, it's not something you wake up in the morning and go, I want to go camping. I mean, I guess some people do, but I'm not one of them. That's for sure. Anyway, then she explains to me that the year before that, on her 106th birthday, her grandson took her on a cruise, which makes a little more sense. But still, there's a lot of potential dangers, hazards, and whatnot for a 106-year-old woman 
to be on a big-ass boat. But she did it, and she apparently really enjoyed it. And she was talking about how she had dinner with the captain, and I just went, you do realize, I don't know a lot about uh, aeronautics, but I do know that the captain of a ship doesn't generally just sit and have dinner with passengers on a, on a cruise ship like that. You know, that's just not something that happens every day. And she says, well, yeah, but you know what? It was just as much of an experience for him. And I said, okay, that's fair. She says, I'm not kidding. How many times in your life do you think you're going to meet a 106 year old woman? Miss Sarah, wherever you are tonight, let me credit you with this victory. You are absolutely correct. I am now 40 years old. Over 20 years ago, you and I had that conversation, and I have still yet to meet a person older than about 80. I think 87 is the oldest, closer, closest to 107 that I've ever met. So, you know, we're talking 25, 30 years difference there. <clears throat> well, 80, 87, 88. So we're talking 29, 30 years, somewhere in there. Younger than Sarah Green was the next oldest person I've ever met. So take that, take that victory, Miss Sarah, wherever you are tonight. And know that to this day, and to your credit, I've never met another human being like you. Not just because of your age, but because of what a beautiful soul you were. And all the beautiful things you taught me and educated me on and enlightened me about. We talked about the wars that she had seen. <clears throat> we talked about what it was like being a, a young a young woman, you know, uh, growing up and remembering the, the end of World War I and all of World War II. She was there. She was alive. It was, it was a part of her past. It was a part of her history. She lived through that shit. And because of that, she was able to give me insights. And I really didn't realize <clears throat> at the time, because I was a young teenager, because I was, you know, middle, middle young teenager, uh, mentally very, very childlike. Granted that it still hasn't changed, but that's a different story. <clears throat> but I didn't really understand the full impact and value of the education that she had given me up until 9-11 happened. And in the days that followed 9-11 and the aftermath and the, 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 the mental and emotional shock of seeing that happen and knowing what, was, what, it, what it meant... And really, truly being able to assimilate the information and take it in, it was terrifying. It was a terrifying period in our, in our history and in our lives. And those of us who were there and those of us who remember it, we, we share a distinct and unique bond that those who are younger and don't know will never understand until something like that happens. Granted, to those of us that it has happened to, there's a gratitude. 
over not understanding. I, I remember once my older son was uh, talking about, uh, he was telling me about his day at school. And he was telling me that his teacher had begun teaching them, uh, educating them on the events of 9-11. And he was trying to understand, and I could tell, not just by the way he was explaining it to me, but he was explaining to me the conversation he'd had with his teacher. And based on the questions that he asked her and the things that he said to her in reply to her answers, he was very strongly struggling to understand it. He wanted to understand it. And he was angry, he was upset with himself because he couldn't. And that's when I had to explain to him that, son, I can explain to you from firsthand experience what all of that was like. But the first thing you have to understand is, number one, it's not a pretty story. Number two, it doesn't paint any part of humanity in the best of light. And you have to take into consideration here when you realize and understand what's going on and and what caused 9-11 and all of the god-awful conspiracy theories that have come along with it that some of which I, I even I can't explain away as much as I would love to um, so all of the controversies all of the fear all of the sorrow we we at least I I wouldn't want someone who doesn't understand that to understand it. I would not want them to have to go through something and experience something that would put that kind of a mindset in them. That would make something like that understandable. However, just like me explaining to my son, when Miss Sarah Green explained to me about, you know, uh, World War II and the attack on Pearl Harbor and just everything that, that came along with all of that. I didn't understand how difficult it must have been for her to talk about these things at her age, no less, and how valuable it was that even though it must have been a terrible burden for her, because I was curious and because I was interested and because I asked the questions, she didn't hesitate to answer them. She educated me. She taught me. She showed me. And when I did that for my son, I realized just how difficult that must that was for her because in trying to explain it to my son that you relive those emotions something that intense with those powerful anchors that anchor it into that that, that that stick it into your mind it's It's very easy, you know, to hear somebody else talk about something like that and be like, oh, okay. 
But then you experience something like that on your own. And you're reliving those emotions and those sorrows and those pains and that surreal awkwardness of everything. It was the first time I had experienced that kind of silence. I had grown up in the DFW Metroplex. I, I grew up listening to the sounds of uh, cars on highways and <clears throat> airplanes in the sky. And there's uh, shit tons of noise pollution, okay? I'm not, and it's not, not bad like New York, but still, it, it's enough that you're, you become used to it. You become adapted to it. And so for the, I don't even remember how long exactly it was. But for the time in which all airplanes were grounded and people were just like they were going to work and they were still doing their work thing, but everything just seemed dulled. Everything just seemed quiet. You know, you couldn't hear the sounds of airplanes. And when you did hear the sounds of cars, it was people just quickly you know, getting to and from work or, or, or taking the kids to school. There weren't many people doing a lot of superfluous things. People were concerned about, you know, going out, doing what they had to do, get back home to safety as quickly as possible. Because we didn't know. We didn't know if 9-11 was a, a solo incident or if there was going to be a follow-up act. We had no idea. You know, I mean, hell, the last big event like that was Pearl Harbor. Uh, probably wrong. I'm probably incorrect on that. And if I am, please, by all means, feel free to correct me because it just enlightens me. And that way, next time I sound less like an idiot. So, um, but like just hearing her say those things and then within five years, having an event like that happen in my own life and then having to explain it to my son. Because again, it's not just the frustration of the sorrows and the high emotions that anchor these things into your mind and how the second you touch on them, those emotions rush right back to you like a, like a waterfall. But then you have to deal with the frustration of how do you explain such powerful emotions and, 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 and situations like that to someone who has no frame of reference, to someone who has no understanding of it? Because there aren't enough of the right words to be able to accurately describe it. And so you're frustrated. So not only are you reliving the emotions and the terrors and the pains of this traumatic event, but you're frustrated with yourself because you know that you can't possibly explain it correctly to get the point across. And then you're frustrated because they're not getting it and they want to get it. So they keep asking you questions, which just keeps bringing it up. And you try to find another way to explain it, but it just, it ends up all coming back to the same thing. You can't accurately explain it or describe it. So you're frustrated. Now they're getting frustrated because they don't understand. 
in that moment, I realized the value of somebody who was willing to actually speak up. Speak up and just say, hey, this is something that happened. Here's some information you probably didn't know about it. And while it may be hard and painful for you to do, it's something I've been training myself to do very recently. Because before, I was all about, you know, bury it down deep, don't let it get to you. Well, it ended up that put me in a mental institution. That put me in a mental institution because, you know, there's only so much of that shit you can bury before it just comes crawling up out of the ground after you like a zombie from The Walking Dead. And the next thing you know, your life's in a whole different place than you could have imagined. So I've learned in recent history to, to be more mindful of the fact that sometimes you just need to get that shit out of your system. Sometimes it's better to just get that poison out right now before it festers and becomes worse and worse and worse. Now, I know I said at the beginning of this that I wasn't going to be preachy and I had no intention to be so. So I do... Apologize if it sounds like I'm trying to trying to be preachy here. I'm not. Just conversing about something that popped into my head. But open open communication, openness in communication, um, a willingness to go through something harsh and hard and frustrating to get to an end goal. Um something I'm learning, something I'm working on, how to address issues in, in, a, in a timely manner before it gets to the point of, because that's always been my, personally my issue, and here's me speaking out on something that's a bit painful. My biggest issue has always been, I would refuse to deal with a situation until it got so bad and I was so upset and stressed and frustrated about it that I would react negatively. And I didn't realize what I was doing to myself. I was building up this pressure chamber of emotions. And when it finally got to the point that I could not hold it in anymore, I would have these outbursts and people would think I was crazy. And... (laughs) So, so I'm learning now that there are much, much more diplomatic and uh, healthy, mentally healthy ways to deal with stresses and situations. And a big part of that is just, just talking, just open lines of communication, even if it's just to yourself. Sometimes I have found the best conversations I've had that enlighten me are me telling myself things that... I guess I knew, but just hearing them said out loud gave me new insights and new perspectives on how to, how to address or deal with whatever, whatever it was that I was talking about. Um, 
it's looking like it's looking like things are changing it's looking like the world that we are living in is is having yet again one of those pendulum effects and for a while the world kind of turned bitter you know around 2008 2010 somewhere in there maybe it was the housing market thing i don't know whatever it was and i know that we're just recovering from covid and the lockdowns and the isolations that came along with it we as a species have been through some shit recently and the interesting thing about that is is i feel like and i see in some ways where this has caused a regression in people. And part of that regression is a lot more anger and a lot more uh, frustration and a lot more people that are turning violent on the one side. But on the other side, and the vast majority of the people have actually taken these events and these situations and they've realized that they're learning experiences. They're ways of teaching us that our strength comes from our unity. Our strength comes from our diversity. Our, our equity, our, our value and our worth comes from our ability to contribute to ourselves to our species, to each other. I would never tell anyone to live for another person. Live for you. And live for us as a country. And live for us as a species. You can do that. If you can live as a mother or a father... As an employer or an employee at work, sometimes both, if you can live a life of multi-facets and each one of those facets are different, then we should be able to say that, yeah, I can live for me, but I can also live for my country and what's best for all of us as Americans. And thinking just a little bit broader scale, for the human species as a whole. Because the fact of the matter is, you are not nothing when you die. Make no mistake about it, there are millions of people, <laughs> millions of people that have died over the last 24 hours, likely. I don't even know what the exact numbers are, I wouldn't even try to guess. And no, I don't know who they are. I don't know where they come from. I don't know who survives them. I don't know any of those details. But what I do know is that each and every one of these were valuable lives. Sparks of light in a dark world that are no longer here. And while to some people that may not matter because they're just unknown, faceless bodies... So what? 
But to most of us, I feel like, to most of us, I feel like we're more like Miss Sarah Green. We are, we are willing to say and do and be more than just for ourselves. She could have been for herself and she could have not given me any information and what do you care? You're just a kid. Miss Sarah Green never treated me like anything other than a decent, respectable human being. It didn't matter that I was a child. It didn't matter that I was overtly curious or that as far as she was concerned, I probably behaved fairly rudely because of the era she came from. She cared about the fact that I was a human being and she treated me with dignity and honor. And in those small opportunities that I got to invest and be invested in by her. Those conversations are still teaching me lessons today. Again, not trying to be preachy. However, I am trying to remind you because I care. And what I'm trying to remind you about, because I care, is that you are valuable. You are a living human being and you are sacred. And the experiences of your life, no matter how mundane they may seem to be, are extraordinary. Are extraordinary because you lived them. And they taught you something. And they, they became part of the foundation, part of the brick and mortar of your life. And know that every second of that life is valuable and meaningful. And know that no matter what, no matter how bad it looks, no matter how dark or cold the night gets, there will always be a sun tomorrow. And you'll always get the chance to see the sky turn blue again. And you'll always be able to look back at the events of your life that made you who you are. And if you see some young idiot child who asks a bunch of stupid questions, remember, you have no idea how valuable the simplest of experiences in your life can be and some of the worst you have no idea how much of an investment you can make in someone's life by simply giving them a little bit of you of your history of your foundation of your center of your core and I say this not to be preachy but to just say be aware whether it's almost 9 o'clock, well, almost 9.30 at night on a Wednesday or 2.30 a.m. on a Monday or whatever time it is that you're listening to this, know that you are valuable. 
Know that you are sacred. Know that your experiences can be a light in the dark to someone and they can educate them for years to come. Something as simple as a, a silly story or an anecdote or Miss Sarah Green talking about a, her 106th year birthday party on board a cruise ship. And even though Miss Sarah Green is long gone at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm positive of that fact. Because she invested some of herself into me. <clears throat> and that gave me insights into my own future that I am still learning from today. Miss Sarah Green will live forever. Because she imparted that to me. And now I carry that part of her with me. That part of her core and her foundation and her life. You are nothing more than one brick in the wall of life. And you are nothing less than one brick in the wall of life. Did you know the funny thing about a brick and a wall? If you remove one brick from a wall, you can, not always, but can irreparably and irreversibly destroy the integrity of that wall. And once it is broken, it has to be torn down to its foundation and started over. The human species could not exist without the human beings that have brought us to this moment. The human species will not exist tomorrow without you and me. No one else. I know I say it a lot. No one else could ever be you. You are valued. You are cared for. You are loved. You are respected. These are important things that you need to know. And no, I don't know your name. I may never know your name. But just know, despite all my frustrations and all the the situations that I'm dealing with right now, I will make time. I do make time, not as much as I should, and I'm working on that. But to come up, to come out here and do, to come up here and do this, because I care, and I want those open lines of communication, because I want you to know that I respect you. I don't care your gender or your age or your ethnicity or your religious preferences or your sexual preferences or any of that. I don't care. You're a human being. You're a human being. You're a life. All life is sacred and should always be treated as such. That includes you friends. It does include you.
Anyway, that's it for this segment. Uh, for you guys, it's probably only going to be a few seconds. I probably will not record the rest of this cast until tomorrow. I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely, at some point in the not-too-distant future, I will be... Uh, it depends on if I get a wild hair and want to finish it tonight. Uh, it's been a long day. I am fairly tired, so it's fairly likely that I'm probably just going to go crash for a while. Um, but so either tonight or tomorrow I will finish. Uh, blessed be my friends. Be safe. Look out for each other. Know that you are sacred. Instantaneously, for this next segment, uh, for the record, I did actually uh, pass out last night. Um, I am up in the morning. I am back at the uh, wildlife sanctuary behind my church. It is around 9.30 in the morning on Thursday the 26th, I think. I don't know. Let me see. Uh, yes, Thursday, January 26th. So, I apologize. There's this very loud bird screeching around, and I'm not sure why. But, um, you know, last night I, I, I talked about Miss Sarah Green, and I talked about people, the steps in people's journey, and uh, how you have no idea how profound even the smallest of things that you're willing to impart to another Um, You have to remember, a relationship is a vehicle in which people learn to relate to one another. So anything and everything you converse with someone about can be and should be done with the idea in mind that I am creating a vehicle of of relating to people. And it started with this person. Every conversation you have strengthens that for both of you. This is the metaphorical meaning, I believe, behind the biblical concept of um, iron sharpens iron. And there are kids from the school <laughs> laughing and playing. I should probably cut this off for now and wait till later. But um, here we are. So I hope you don't mind the background noise. It's a, it's a real world with a, with a lot of noise. <laughs> um... But, um, hang on one second. I have to take a hit of my vape. Sorry, guys. I'm just not prepared. (laughs) Man, I just pick up my phone and start recording when I feel the itch. And after last night's segment, I wanted to come back as quickly as possible. I don't like to leave a podcast unfinished. Uh, Granted, I don't like to not do podcasts either. If I could, I'd do a podcast a day, but I'm sure you guys get really tired of my insane rambling. For my next cast, um, it's it's in the same series, but since this series really doesn't have a a specific direction, I think I'm just going to do a little bit of everything. 
And, uh, you know, I used to be, well, I used to be a, an aspiring, I was learning to be a GM. Uh, I was big time into gaming and I loved the D and D and pen and paper style games because your imagination allowed you to create entire worlds, you know, uh, if you were the kind of guy that like kind of guy kind of person that liked to do dungeon crawls, then you could build campaigns easily around dungeon crawling. If you were the kind of person that liked economics, then you could build businesses within the cities and trades and blah 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 blah. I had a few games that uh, <sighs> I uh, kind of sped up in the short term because it was going to be a very long campaign anyway. And I, I didn't want the characters to come in with all of this established and having no idea. So, you know, they did their dungeon crawls. They did their this. They did their that. They made their discoveries. And in the end, they had a, a business. They were, were in business with uh, several different kingdoms. Um, it, it was it, it ended up being a very big project because all of these players who had all of these different knowledges and ideas and ways that they wanted to deal with things, I could give them each and every one all of what they wanted and still have it be a game for all of them at the same time. Uh, In doing that, I became uh, exceptionally proficient at... uh, building characters and building storylines for said characters. Um, So I'm thinking, potentially, for my next cast, just to do something really off-the-wall and creative. And uh, I usually do three segments. I usually try to make them about 30 minutes each. Um, So maybe what I'll do with my next cast, uh, if, if it's agreeable is uh, come up with a short, you know, just uh, uh, take some of my favorite characters that I've, I've created and, uh, you know, put them in, uh, put them into a story and uh, see what you guys think, you know, hell, maybe it, maybe it'll turn out that that's what I should be doing instead of just these crazy rants. Uh <clears throat> Anyway, like I said, it's just a thought, something I'm mulling over. Actually, it's the first time I've said it out loud, so it's the first time I've actually realized that's a thing. But apparently some part of my mind, one of my compartments, (laughs) one of my personalities. um, I don't know if I've explained this before, but uh, maybe I have. uh, I don't know, but um, I have a thing where I... uh, I have created an image in my mind of a castle that represents my mind. The reason I chose a castle is because what you, what is in your mind becomes reality, becomes your reality. <clears throat> and a mind that is just opened, open and protected, or open and unprotected, uh, is vulnerable to a lot of things. But if you emotionally and and spiritually and you do so with your imagination in a a way uh, create barriers 
between your thoughts, your mind, the interior workings of you and the outside world, then emotionally and spiritually you believe you are more protected. Um, it's, it's a trick I learned a long time ago. Uh, it also allows me to organize my thoughts because when I am overtly unable to express an idea or, or, or work through and see potential, uh, flags in an event or situation or whatever, I can mentally go to this castle you know, draw into myself and go into this castle, which is the inner workings of my brain, basically. And it's like a castle. There, there are compartments, there are rooms, and there are people uh, that work within it to keep it functioning and, and this, that, and the other. And oddly enough, in my gaming life, I have used aspects of my personality, you know, to create these different characters that I have, which is why on a spectrum, they are all in one general area, but it's like a shotgun blast in that general area because my personality spans quite a bit of different aspects. So if you, it's like taking a piece of paper with a hole punch, if you hit it four or five times <clears throat> in a particular place, you're going to have a still a pretty solid sheet of paper but you're going to have these uh, holes in it, these, these differentiations. And so what I would do is I would basically take a creative hole punch and go, this aspect of my personality is going to become this character. Um, this aspect of my personality is going to become that character. And, uh, and then I build the character around those aspects of my personality. So in my head, this odd thing began to happen where <clears throat> what I had done actually manifested in my mind castle, I guess you could call it. So now to aid me in all of my processes, I have all of these different adapted aspects of my personality acting independently of one another. And advising me and communing with me and, and keeping me... Granted, I'm sure it's not sane. I'm sure that's not a sane thing to do. It's probably very lunatic of me. And <laughs> maybe the day after I post this, I end up in a mental institution. And if that's the case, that's understandable. But, uh, but it helps me to mull things over. Because instead of just my mind as a whole unit... There are different aspects of it who now have their own unique traits and personalities. And, uh, anyway, I'm pretty sure I've, I've talked about this before. So, um, but my, my point in all of this is, is that, so I, I'm used to having these characters in my head to talk to me and I'm used to having these, uh, to, to, to advise me because it's, it's not like I'm. I don't really, metaphorically, I see it as though I am having a conversation with Zahan. But 
intellectually, I know that it's not really what I'm doing. I'm just taking two different parts of my mind and bouncing the idea back and forth between the two, which some people call pondering or imagining or being pensive. (sighs) So, um, and the fucking helicopter. Are you serious with this shit? So one noise, I'm sorry guys, one noise stops and another begins. Fucking Fort Worth life. <laughs> I, You know what, I say that in complete jest. I love my hometown, okay? I love it to pieces. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, even when the place isn't busy, it's busy. I love it. It's just busy enough to be slightly annoying. It's just calm and rural enough to not put you up on a clock tower with a high-powered rifle. That is purely a joke. Again. <clears throat> I realized right after I said that, wow, that might not be... You know, and it, but you know, I'm, I'm glad I did that, though, because it gives me an opportunity. I was appalled uh, Monday... I think it was Monday. Yes, it was Monday. I was appalled by the fact that I was watching the telly, television, sorry, and they were talking about on Saturday there was a, a, a mass shooting and four people had died, or no, it was ten people had died, but the update was that toll has gone from ten to eleven because one of the other people who were uh, was a victim uh, died as well. And I remember just thinking about how terrible that was. And I'm just like, wow, another shooting. Like when I was a kid, I don't remember hearing about shit like that so much. I just, we live in a very different world now. And, uh, you know, and they were going into the details of it and I was just, it made me sad. And how is this for a shock, okay? While I'm, and I'm hearing about this Saturday shooting for the very first time. And while I'm hearing about this Saturday shooting for the very first time, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm laughing. I'm trying to sound like I'm laughing because I'm trying to avoid having an actual emotional outburst. It, it, and the kids are back. It just, (laughs) it just struck me. As they broke in, broke into the current update on Saturday's shooting to announce breaking news, there was another shooting today, and we have two potential suspects in custody. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I'm living in a world right now where they will break into the breaking news of an update of a shooting with more breaking news of another shooting. Like, really? Do you know how terrifying that is? 
I'm sure you do. <clears throat> but you should look into that if you if you don't know. Because I didn't. And I don't know the details. I After they broke into the update of the breaking news with more breaking news of another shooting, I kind of just blanked. And I didn't get any more details than... We interrupt the update of a shooting to tell you about another shooting. And I'm just going, I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't. Uh, my friends, this, this is why I don't watch television very much. This is why I don't listen to the news a whole lot. Because the fact of the matter is, I know that there are people dying all over the planet every day. I get this. Make no mistake about it. I get it. I promise you I do. But to sit there having a nice lunch. And hearing about a shooting two days ago. And the update on that is broken into for breaking news on a shooting that just happened. That tripped me out. That saddened me. And I very likely don't have anywhere near the kind of listener base that would have uh, any of those people or, well, let me rephrase that, any of the families of those people uh, as a part of it. But if there's any way it can be found out Please know, family of these poor tragedies, that um, we we feel with you. We hurt with you. We know the loss of life. We know the loss of value to you, the families, to the communities, to the cities, the counties, the states, the country, and to the human species as a whole. I I cannot tell you how sorry we are that this is happening and that these things keep happening and we don't <clears throat> we don't know how to stop it we don't know how to fix it yet we're working on that we're 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 we're, we're staggering on our feet a little bit here because of all the things that we've been reeling from. From economic crisis to... You know, from 9-11 to economic crisis to... Uh, mass shootings all over the place. We're not even at the end of January, people. Friends... there have already been 37 shootings. Let me just put that in perspective for you. In the year 2023, 26 days have passed. And in those 26 days, 37 shootings have happened. That's over a shooting a day. 
to hit that number. Just a little food for thought there. How terrifying is that? But I'm not... I'm not done yet. Ebbs and flows. Ebbs and flows. Even in the midst of these things, I'm still noticing things. Apparently, the Saturday shooting was actually stopped. The man escaped, got away, and ended up shooting himself, but in the beginning, what actually stopped him from killing more people was this dude rushed the guy and and fought him off. The reason why the death toll of the Saturday shooting is only at 11, or was last time I knew, hopefully it's still there, and it wasn't worse, is because of some brave soul who went, no, not today. I stand with that man, and I praise that man. We should all be so lucky as to have the fortitude and spirit to be able to do that. Greater love knows no man than he who would lay down his life for a fellow. Which comes full circle to something I was talking about earlier uh, with someone else. Love should never come with boundaries or conditions. It should have no conditions or bounds. Unconditional love. Because it's not something you have to earn. It's not something you have to work for. It's just love. And it's not like... I've known you all my life, brother or sister kind of love. Or, hey, when I finally meet you, I'm going to hump your leg kind of love. Although that would be kind of funny. Hello, this is how I greet people. I'm so sorry. I didn't whittle or anything, so you're good. <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, uh, let me tell you something. As funny as that may have seemed to hear, my very vivid imagination gave me a mental image of what that would actually look like. And, oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. (laughs) Oh. Oh. So. So. Sorry. 
They seem to be having technical difficulties today. Um, cause, wow. Whew. Okay. So where were we before I act even more foolishly and end up just an insane giggling mess? I guess I can't end up that way since I started that way. Interesting pondry. So, I, I kind of feel like I've done a weird loop-de-loop thing with this particular segment. And you know what? I That's okay, because I, I'm, I'm kind of new to podcasting. And unlike a lot of people who do, you know, scripted things, I have no idea what I'm going to say when I first walk up. I, you know, when I, when I, I, I put a little thought into it here and there, maybe, you know, I want to do a podcast. That's, that's about it, really, honestly. It's just, I want to do a podcast. What do you want to do a podcast about? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I, you got to have something. I want to talk into a fucking microphone, okay? That's what I'm telling you. By the way, when I'm dropping F-bombs and whatnot, it's when the children are inside and can't hear me. So, uh, I am being, hopefully, being respectful. I haven't slipped up yet, so. But, uh, <laughs> but these are the kinds of conversations that I have with myself when nobody's paying attention. So, yeah, when I do a podcast, what? No. You just, I just stick your face in front of a microphone and just start, bleh, right? That's what it is? Okay. Your funeral. <laughs> and so that's what I do. I stick a microphone in front of my face and verbally heave for an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. <clears throat> it's a beautiful day today. I don't know, I don't know where you guys are, but uh, I hope it's a beautiful day for you too. And if you get absolutely nothing else out of my insane rambling, then um, as always remember, you know, it's all about love. And you are loved, you are cared for, you are valued. Your worth is inherently understood. So, I think this one's going to be a little bit short. Uh, Maybe I'll make the next one a little bit longer and bigger. (laughs) Such a teenager. Yeah, I'm a teenager. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm a 40-year-old teenager. (laughs) Granted, I am a guy. That's probably expected, but anyway... Lots of love, and we'll chat more in the next segment. Hell, I may just kind of pause for a second, take a hit, and get back to it. Who knows? We'll see. As always, it's lovely chatting with you and learning to relate to you. I'm hoping that my email address is showing up for you guys. Because if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, by all means, please feel free to, uh, you know, 
hit me up. Hell, you know what? Even if you don't, even if it's just, hey, you like to insanely ramble, guess what? So do I. Here's my insane ramble. You know what? Go for it. I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. That's the whole point of it. We build bridges. Bridges go both ways, man. That sounded much more suggestive than I intended for it to. And there's the teenager again. <clears throat> so, sometimes I actually hear the things that come out of my mouth. And I realize that I am really not fully in control of my facilities anymore. And I don't know if it's because of the characters I've created. Some of them are just kind of like, hey, check this out. I can take the steering wheel for a second and make him say some stupid shit. Check this out. What was it Peanut once said to Jeff Dunham? I don't care. I go home in a box. Wait, I guess I better be careful because you will too. <laughs> guess I need to remind them of that. Look, without me, you don't exist, so chill. You're going to get me burned at the stakes, son. So, <laughs> wow, burned at the stake, son. You know, the whole funny thing about that is, is that particular type of people that would speak like that didn't use burning at the stake. They use hanging. So why I chose the medieval uh, form of torture for an 1800s gunslinger, I don't know. I, you know what? Fuck it. It worked. It sounded good to me. Well, obviously it didn't. I critiqued it. <clears throat> anyway. How bad is it when you heckle yourself? <laughs> you know what? I'll be back. I'll be back. So, okay. I, it turned out I was right. I was just going to, you know, freshen up a bit. I got to tell you guys this, okay? This is why a lot of people refuse to go into public with me. I was with my older brother, and we had gone to this gaming shop. I was looking for a set of dice, and I had found a really rare set. And when they're sold in the store like that, it doesn't matter if they're rare sets or not. They're put up on the shelf, and they're the, you know, $8 or whatever it is, 15 or something. I don't know. whatever. I don't know what the current rate for dice is. I haven't bought dice in 10 years. Anyway, but so I'm buying this set of dice... And I set him down on the counter. And to give you an idea, the entirety of the room is fairly narrow. You know, when you're standing at the door with your back to the door looking into the building, you're just inside the building. And it's narrow. Maybe only about 20, 20 feet, 25 feet wide. 30, maybe, maybe. But it's like 60 feet long, 60, 70 feet long, and they've built 
kind of this cattywampus uh, set of uh, rooms to where they have gaming tables set up for like actual games and whatnot. <clears throat> and uh, there are two potential customers in the back looking at books. One's reading one book, one's uh, rifling through others. Uh, so one's kind of crouched, the other one's standing. The girl at the cash register is kind of short for me, to me, kind of short. I'm like 6'2", though, so... 6'1", six 6'2", six so a lot of people seem short to me when they're not. But she seemed kind of short because the where the cash register stand was, it's actually a step up from it. And she was about my height, up on that stand. So I'm assuming about 6, 8 inches shorter, maybe 10 sh- inches shorter than me. Um, just a guess. Behind her is this tall, slender guy who's moving boxes into the corner behind her. This is the, the room at large. My brother is standing right behind me. I'm standing right in front of the counter. I set down my set of dice... And she says, without just without skipping a beat at all, she says, Oh my God, I love those dice. They're so beautiful. And she picks them up in the, the case that they're in and examines them for a second and sets them back down and goes, Oh my God, I want to touch them so bad. But unfortunately, I suck the luck out of dice when I touch them. And unfortunately, because I am one of these people who have no filter and no way of stopping myself once the mouth engages, what came out of my mouth next was, well, sweetie, you can suck the luck out of my dice any day you want to. In an instant, several things happened at once. First... The second she speaks, my brother face palms, pow, and I hear it smack right, right on the bridge of his nose and the for in his forehead, pow! Oh my God, girl, you should not have said that. He doesn't say that, but that's how he, he was broadcasting that feeling of dread. Just oh God, you just handed my idiot brother a loaded gun. Now, then I speak. Instantly, she turns bright red. Like, and I'm talking like not just one shade. It was incredibly impressive. It was like a chameleon on Gay Pride Day. I was so impressed. I didn't even know there were that many shades of red, to be perfectly honest. The guy behind her has picked up a box and has turned to set it down in the corner and freezes with his arm, with his torso, with his, with his hips facing toward the back of the building and his chest toward the front of the building, arms extended with a box in his hands, and just freezes like that, open mouth, staring at me like I'm the new exhibit at the zoo. The guy standing reading the, the book drops it to the floor along with his jaw, And the dude who was rifling through books 
puts both hands on the floor, his forehead to the floor, and just just sits there. And everything freezes in that moment. And I'm just standing there going, yeah, I just said that. Well, if you didn't catch that, yeah, I just said that. And then, uh, but I said it very quietly. And I set down the money. Didn't wait for the change because I knew there was going to be change. But everybody was frozen. It was like I had hit pause on reality for a second. Just, I, I think everybody's brain was trying to reset going, did that really just happen? And <laughs> so my brother goes, get your fucking dice. So I grab the dice. He grabs me by the back of my shirt and yanks me out the door. <laughs> And goes, what the fuck was that? And I went, and I said, well, I would try to explain it logically, but unfortunately there is no logical way to explain that. And um, it it's like lightning. It just happens. Okay. And she happened to throw up the perfect lightning rod for my Tesla coil of a brain to go, wah, wah, ow, there you go, baby. <laughs> sometimes I wish it didn't happen um, another event was I was actually working at a Cinemark the- uh, cinema uh, in a mall and I was working at the concession stands that particular day and um, this British woman comes walking in and she's all very proper, you know. And, you know, blah, 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 this and that. Might I get a glass of water? And I'm like, sure, you know, no problem. So I get her a glass of water, I set it down, and I was like, is there anything else I can do for you? Do you, you know, are you hungry or anything? And she's, oh, I don't eat American food. And I went, oh, come on, you can't still be pissed off you lost the war. <laughs> Even the bird thought that was funny. Wow. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to put that one in my audience. (laughs) I bet you can't find my shell. (laughs) Don't look at the bird. Look at me. (laughs) I'm an idiot. Okay. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Now, again... It was one of those moments where several things happen all at once. Her eyebrows raise, which if you've never actually encountered British people and you can actually make them raise their eyebrows and look at you like without that superior squint, you've done something, okay? You've done something noteworthy. Check that shit off your bucket list because it's not incredibly common that it happens. You get a lot of reactions from British people, but when they actually raise those eyebrows and go, you've just accomplished something, a life goal. That's a level up there, buddy. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, friends, that's a level up. So her eyebrows raise. I smile. The kid standing next to me 
spits because he had just taken a drink of some soda pretty decent swig too and spit it all the way across the lobby which was impressive for two reasons number one the lobby was about 24 25 feet long and number two this projectile he launched and hit the wall part of it without touching the ground at all came out of his nose not his mouth in the aftermath of that he hits the floor screaming because his sinuses are probably on fire and she turns around and huffs out the, out the, out of the out the door Without even a second glance back. She did drink her water, though, and left the cup sitting there. And <laughs> then my boss comes walking out the, out, out of the, the door from the back and goes, I just heard that. You can't say shit like that to people. And I went, correction, can, and did. <laughs> and she, she's just, uh, what? Well, and turns around and walks away. By this point, I'm looking down at the kid on the floor. His name is Nick. And I'm like, Nick, are you okay? Do you need an ambulance? Maybe you should get up off the ground. That looks a little uncomfortable. And, <laughs> and after your very impressive ballistics display, I'd say you should probably be as comfortable as possible for a little while. And you want to keep it elevated. He just finally takes a breath. And I'm talking, it was one of those long kind of breaths, you know. I mean, it was probably 15. It was exaggerated. I personally think he was just fucking being a drag queen. But that's being, yeah, anyway, I kid about the drag queen part. Just over dramatization. Anyway. He went to the William Shatner School for acting. Um, finally, after he takes this breath, he goes, Dude, you are my hero. Now, here was the impressive part. About an hour later, I get the, the surprise visit. See, there was a guy that was the actual boss, like the boss's boss. He wasn't the owner but basically as far as it was concerned he was the final say on what happened at that particular Cinemark but this dude was very big to the point that walking up and downstairs was exceptionally difficult for him so he didn't do it much so they had a, a fire escape that led up to right next to his office and he would use that way in and out so he'd come in, sit down, stay at his desk all day long, and his managers would take care of everything, which everyone was fine with that because, you know, he was a great, a great in-charge man, not a great uh, field agent, so to speak. Um, but he actually made it a point because of apparently what had happened to actually come down to talk to me in person and he comes walking up and goes you know I should write you up for that 
And I went, what rule did I break? You had me read the employee handbook. So what, what, where was my violation? He says, you, you know, we have security camera footage of it. You want to see it? And I went, yes. And he went, no, that's not the point. You can't say shit like that to paying customers. And I went, exactly. Exactly my point. I did not in any way violate the terms of my employee contract with you because, and by simple virtue of the fact that she made it abundantly clear she was not going to buy anything because it's all American food here in motherfucking America. Okay, sorry. Here in America, okay? So, so, that being said, That being said, I am not in violation of the terms of my contract with you. I have not ever spoken like that to a paying customer. All she did was came in and got a free glass of water and said something very offensive to all American people. So, I shot it right back at her. Again, not a paying customer. Not a patron. Not anybody who is in any way intent upon seeing our place of business thrive. We didn't lose a customer. We lost a troll. And when you nip that shit in the bud like that, before it becomes a big issue, you end up having a lot less problems that a lot of stores have where they will indulge that shit too much. And let's be honest, it was cool as hell to have people actually look at me and go, you're the guy that told that British woman off. And I was like, no. I just asked her a simple question. Okay, well, what was what was actually said? And so I would tell them. And they would go, oh my God, that's even better than the story I heard. I, I don't know what you heard. But I, being the person that said it, I know what was said because I was there. You kind of have to be there to say something. Kind of thought that was obvious, but maybe not. I don't know where you're at educationally. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, what does my dumbass do? I don't know why people think I'm so sarcastic. <laughs> the One of the greatest days of my life was talking to my son's teacher for a parent-teacher conference. Two minutes into the conversation, literally two minutes into the conversation, if that. She says, well, I see where your son gets his sarcasm. My son was seven. Seven years old at the time, okay? I see where your son gets his sarcasm. I got it. I got emotional. So I got a tear in my eye, and I'm just like, that is so great to hear. 
my son knows how to be sarcastic. And I taught him. I have educated the this, this poor child in the best way I know possible. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I could go on and on and on for days and days and days about just weird little things like that. For example, uh, another example, one day. I'm talking to my little brother, and I take a bite of the pecan sandy cookie, and I'm like, wow, it really does taste like sand, after I chewed and swallowed the bite, because I don't want to choke, that would be bad, (laughs) but uh, he just looks at me and goes, do you think I would like them? And I went, I don't know. Do you like the taste of sand? Pecans and sand? Because that's what it is. Pecans and fucking sand, okay? That's what I'm telling you. I don't like it. You might. I don't, do you eat dirt regularly? Or sand regularly? Because maybe, yeah, sure. It's a distinct possibility. But for me, I don't look at, you know, sand and dirt and go, mm, you are on the menu. Ooh, earthware. No, I'm just not, that's not me. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. It's not for me. It's for some people, maybe, sure. But not me. I'm not the guy to go out into a forest and eat an ant nest or barbecue spiders or any other weird shit like that. <laughs> but, you know, just I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just saying. I don't I don't I don't wake up in the morning and, and think about those things and go, yeah yes. There, look, I'm I'm just saying. There's plenty of dirt in the world, okay? I will never go hungry if I'm a dirt eater. I get that, but I'm a little more picky than that. There's a lot of things I'll eat that most people won't touch, but I, even I have my limits. I'm not a goat. Well, I kind of look like one, but that's not a... Anyway, different, different story. So... So, I am, I'm not, I'm like legitimately not kidding. This is actually probably one of the more beautiful days I've seen in a while. And it's still fairly chill, but it's actually nice and warm right now. I don't know what the temperature is, but, um, it's nice. 
Anyway. So. It's looking like. That almost that time. I would try to recap. Everything we've talked about in the podcast. But. Um, honestly. Yeah, you, were, you were there. You, you know. And um, you probably remember it better than I do. Just because it's, I, I, I have these thoughts and hundreds and millions of others every moment of every day. <clears throat> it can be very difficult sometimes to, to pull apart and differentiate. I have people working on it almost constantly. Deciphering through all the information I pick up on just weird random little things. and So, um... But again, it's all in fun. It's all in jest. Anything I say in this podcast is not meant to be uh, offensive. This is not like a disclaimer or anything. It's just me, me letting you know that uh, I have no intended offense to anyone. Um, I care about my I care about my friends, and you guys, you guys are my friends, at least to some degree. <clears throat> None of you have tried to kill me. That's a really good plus. So. Um, that's why I refer to you as friends, bros, dudes. I guess I should say bros and sisses. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so. (laughs) So, yeah, you know. Uh, the funny thing is, though, I will say this. Uh, my lifetime of really odd things happening has created a very, very strong desire to look at things through the ironic side and see the ironies. And I've really become a huge fan of irony. You know, um, life is so full of so many little eccentricities and ironies. And. These are the spices that make life less dull. You know, they, they create these adrenaline rushes and these uh, muses for us. It's all part of the great web of life. The whole, uh, as the Jedi refer to it, the Force. Um, some call it mana, some call it chi or ki or kai. But it's all the same. It's all energy. And I like to feel connected. And uh, I crack a lot of jokes. Because it's just. I figure in life you can either be smart. Really smart. Or really funny. And I tried being really smart. And I tried you know conforming to societal standards. And. You know, live the good life, drink the Kool-Aid, blah, blah, blah. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't stomach it. And here I am at 40 years old and living their standards has failed me completely. So now it's, it's, it's time to do things my way. And a big part of that is connecting with people, you know, my friends, my listeners or listener as the case may be. I don't know. I'd like to think that a few people find me at least r- randomly entertaining, but maybe I'm just a fool with a microphone. Anyway, you look at it. I have fun. I hope you do too.
And please know that that's what uh, what I have in mind. <clears throat> You'll also notice, if you haven't already, I, I tend to be very non-exclusive about who I crack on. I'll uh, I'll rip on anybody. I'm uh, I'm the modern day Don Rickles, <laughs> sort of. But it's uh, for me, it's a way to show affection. If I don't fuck with you, it means I don't like you. If I fuck with you, then it means I like you. And that's weird, I know, because I can be affectionate in other ways, but as a general rule, if if I'm if I'm reserved and quiet with someone, it's because I'm either A assessing them as a person or B um pulling away because I don't I don't want any part of the energies they're producing. And I can, I can, in a lot of cases, um, alter uh, a mood or a person, uh, not a personality, but uh, uh, I can soothe. So I will try to do that. And when that doesn't work, I just kind of shy away. And that's the point at which... Uh, I prefer, you know, to, to, I did my part, I tried, <laughs> you know, at this point I, I, I gotta step away and say I did the best, I did my best, for the moment at least, you know, maybe I could come back to it later if it's still a thing, but for now, I've done what I can. And I will continue to do what I can because rust never sleeps. Rust is relentless. And we gotta, we've got to be constantly fighting those forces of erosion. Which means building ourselves and each other up. Strengthening ourselves and each other. Being there for one another. And for ourselves. It's okay to be there for you. It's okay to be there for other people too. One life is just as good as any other. And in the great wheel. The great web. The ley lines. The the force. The chi. The kai. The ki the mana it's all the same different adaptations but life is life and I love life man if I haven't mentioned that I'm not always at my best and for a little while now I feel like I haven't been but it's okay. I'm still here. I'm still cracking. And so are you. So let's keep up the good fight, peoples. Lots of love. And this is AJ the Rogue. Saying, fairly well, my friends. Shatner!